Welcome to NFT Sundays, a weekly conversation around art and technology, brought to you by Dementi and the Museum of Crypto Art. Uh, Pindar, thank you, thank you for joining us today. So yeah, thanks. It's great. Uh, I, I'm pretty impressed. I see that you are in a physical building. I can't wait to hear more about it. So I'm in my studio, which is in the you know just got my robots and my paintings in here. Yeah. Um, the new museum of crypto art. I, I naturally, of course, have the cat with me as well. He <laughs> wouldn't be crypto art without him. That's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, so, you know, I felt super compelled, of course, to to speak with you because we've been on this journey for for such a long time together. You being one of really the the first crypto artists in the space. Uh, yeah. Tell me. I, I mean, just. To, to kick it off and give everybody a little bit of context, do you remember when your first mint was? Yeah, I, I, you know what's strange is my mints were even, well, I don't know if they're mints, but we're coming on something, uh, we're coming on, Verisart's about to do an auction, they're entering the NFT space, and they got in touch with me because they found a bunch of my old uh, work, these 128 AI imagined faces that I, I, I minted with them, or I wouldn't call it, it wasn't minting back then, I verified with them on the, the Bitcoin blockchain. Nice. And that was that was like before NFTs, and that was my second blockchain project. But then when you get into NFTs, and that's what you know most of us think of as you know the birth of this movement. I think it was like Super Rare Token 112. Yeah. Uh, one of the early Super Rare tokens as one of the first artists on there. I didn't realize it at the time that that would be a big deal, but it sort of helped define me. You know, back then I was there when we couldn't. You know, people were giving away uh nfts and like you know 20 bucks 50 bucks trading it, it was like uh it was a different world and then it wasn't like it was today it was like uh completely different but at the same time there was this spirit of we didn't know what we're doing um you know i stuck at it and i think i did i did a lot of minting for about a year and then i and i put it on the back burner um where i was just minting every couple months after that but i never completely stepped out but uh, you know the the whole the whole thing I, I didn't understand. I'll, I'll get into it later about you know like my my struggles with being a crypto artist. But I actually I think I've told you this a hundred times. Uh, but it was you and and it was like your vision in the Museum of Crypto that reached out to me, and and like the fact that you you got you bought a bunch of my early works, and 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 it really touched me. And I was like, wait a minute, there might be something here. And you know how big I've gotten into Mocha. Yeah. since then uh it just totally brought me back in i would say it was definitely you uh super Air roses um that like uh facilitated me becoming very serious and then going all in so i would say the beginning i was experimenting what is this going to do to my traditional art career because you know i was making traditional paintings and uh and then i was just mocha super rare whole bunch of friends that is like this is the way to go this is the future is something different happening here Beyond, beyond being just a simple mechanism to sell art, this was a new way of doing things. And there's, that's such a good story because it was such a different time, right? It was a time of really just, when, as I recall it, like digging in the crates. There was no competition, right? And because yeah. you hadn't created in so long, you know, how was I beginning to like filter and find artists from the data that Super Rare was providing? Uh, you know, there you were, like this hidden corner, and to see the art, to recognize the unique style, uh, and then to, I 
think, believe, you know, I was directed to your TED talk uh, in which in which you yeah. go through, you know, what it was. And when I saw it, I was like, okay, like this is crypto art and we haven't touched on it, but, and people can of course research, but could you just tell us like, what is the art that you create? We see the robots there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, here, I'll, I'll touch on that. And it was something you said to me early on, Cobra, that really made a difference in my art career. Really, you just told me, I think it was in a conversation, he's like, listen, man, you got something special. You told me, I, I'm paraphrasing, you said, you got something special. People just don't know about it yet. And that really stuck with me. I doubt you remember saying it because you're always so positive with artists, but it really made a difference. And I was like, okay. And and here's what I was going through. But, you know, like, you, let me go tell everyone, first of all, what I do, and I'll give the context. Perfect. You can see it behind me if you're watching, if you're listening. I, I have a robot that uses a lot of AI to paint with a paintbrush on canvases. And uh, when I say a lot of AI, typically when you say AI, you see AI art these days, it's GANs. It's always GANs and or or sometimes it's CNNs, convolutional neural networks, but it's typically GANs, which are generative adversarial networks. But my robots don't do that. They have 24 different algorithms, uh, and sometimes more, sometimes less, and they fight for control of the brush. And the, and the robot you see behind me is constantly taking pictures of the canvas and then making decisions based on what's getting painted, and, and from there, making the next breaststroke, the same way that artist Paul Clay once said that an artist, you know, the creative process is a feedback loop where the artist makes a stroke on the canvas, takes a step back, uh, imagines what the stroke's doing, is it going in the right direction or not, and then makes the next stroke. And this creative feedback is feedback loops. Uh, he called it creative feedback loops. And oddly enough, computer scientists call it the exact same thing, feedback loops. My robot paints using AI with feedback loops. Uh, and so here is the struggle I had is, you know, all artists always think they're imposters, um, except the great ones, which are, are full of themselves. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the rest of us, um, you know, and I, I was, I have, you know, everyone has like distinctions. What's your distinction? And, you know, what were you the first to do it? I have a weird distinction in crypto and that, you know, my NFTs were the first photographs, but I'm not a photographer, but I didn't fit in with the purely digital native uh, mm. nature of NFTs where my robot would make a physical painting and then I would take a photo of that physical painting and I would listen on super rare as an NFT. They weren't called NFTs back then. I forget what they're even called, but, uh, and, and I always felt like I'd always see, I see Hacktow X copy. I'd see them doing these awesome GIF animations, uh, these awesome, and, and I always felt like, Oh, this is digital art. And I'm just this AI artist pretending to be a digital artist. Um, and I, and that's for that reason, I never felt like I quite fit in with all the other digital artists. I was this guy that was making paintings, you know, I'd sell my paintings in the traditional world. And, and it, it just felt like to me using uh, crypto was just another, you know, it's like, I was asking myself, am I making crypto because it makes sense that my art is crypto art or because it's just another avenue to make sales? And because it's some, because I didn't feel like I fit in 100%, that bothered me a lot. And that, that, uh, that obsessed me in the first years. I kept on plugging away at it. Um, but it wasn't, until, it wasn't until a couple years in that I, uh, I realized that crypto art is more than just digital art. Of course, it can be anything. And, and that it wasn't, even, it wasn't even the medium. Crypto art is like this mindset, to use a cliche, or a new approach at making and distributing and sharing art. And, and I've come to realize that uh, as I've gone all in. Um, so that's a basic history where it started, Super Rare. Right now, I still save my best stuff for Super Rare. 
And uh, in the grand uh, tradition of crypto artists, the other thing I'm doing is I'm trying to do my own contracts now. It'd be nice. kind of fun. I think it's a wonderful story and it speaks to the medium and it speaks to how the art connected with somebody who is perhaps more technological, right? And, and having really no contemporary art background training or art background training at all, um, what began to excite me and, and your story was certainly one of those because I was imagining, you know, how you would take a photograph, you would train the robot on that it would put down a brush stroke. It would then like look at the canvas and reimagine it. Uh, and then how it, and, and, and just like the intersection of all of the technologies that we're, we're talking about here uh, mm -hmm. is, is so, it's just so, so different. Um, Thanks. Yeah, it's cool. It's very, very unique, of course, to the space. And I think obviously given your success that you've captured the imagination of a ton of people in the space. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I remember when you started the, you know, the, the pod GANs and, and the bit GANs and, um, I think even then you were recognizing perhaps a, a cultural shift in the way capital was, was organizing, kind of speaking to a changing current of the crypto space. And I mean, look, look behind you, of course, and you see even that evolution. Right. I see, of course, like I think that's Jin and I see Somnium Space yeah. Avatars and I see CryptoPunks. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you got, got Robness. I think that's Sam Bankman, right? On, on... Oh, yeah. Oh, one of my favorite collectors. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Same, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah no, and, and, and that was a part of going into the story and just this realization that, um, you know, one thing that, that's really fun that I'm part of now and like I had a drop with the PodGans. PodGans are... You know, they're, they're little cephalopod versions of BitGans, which if you're not familiar with them, uh, check out BitGans.com. But they're, they're dancing AI training data that I used. And, and this is one of the things that came over, you know, like when I was looking for what, is, what do I do that's digital that I could really share with people. Just on, just on like uh, for fun, I was on this like I was on the nouns test net. And for fun, I, I shared every one of this training data I did to make that painting. And, and everyone loved them. And I was like, wow, they like the training data? So, you know, typically imagine this robot goes through thousands and thousands and thousands of images as it thinks of what it's going to paint. And, and I captured some of that training data, and I realized that people were – first of all, I realized it was beautiful. And I realized, oh, my gosh, there's, there's this new way for me to share my art because an interesting fact about me uh, as, a, as a crypto artist is I don't have any additions. I somehow dodged the bullet of never made everything I have is a one of one. But as you can see, this robot behind me takes, you know, it takes three days to a week to make a painting. And one of the most one of the things you have to do as a crypto artist, I've learned is you have to be accessible to as many people as possible, not just the whales. Mm. And so I had this like first world problem for a number of years. And the first world problem was only whales and, and people I, I wouldn't even just say whales, but only people that were willing to spend a lot of crypto on a piece was able to get one of my paintings. And so it really freed me up that I was like, wow, I've all this training data, uh, tens of thousands of images. If I, if I narrow that down to the top 100, my favorite 100, I could share it with a lot more people. Right. And, and that was where BitGAN sort of took everything off in a new direction. And then I did something so silly that I can't believe was popular is I gave my, my AI GANs rarity ratings and the rarity ratings just, People love them. And, uh, 
And and I've had AI I've had AI art friends who's like, come on, man, you're cheapening the uh, medium. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is what this is what it's all about. Yeah. People want to know what the rare ones are. And if I want to put a hundred out there, and and I want someone that really wants the rarest, I want to give them the opportunity to get the rarest. Yeah. And then I also want to give you know, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of collectability in the crypto art scene. I want you to pull that pack and have a chance that you know you pulled one of the rares, and people love it, and I love it. I mean, that's why I'm. I, I love uh, minting on Mint Day as much as possible. I just minted on, um, yeah, I just did a big mint on Braindrops this morning, and it was fun. Um, horrible pull, but uh, <laughs> but I love I love all the art. I get nothing but commons. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but still, um, it's just there's something unique about this medium, and I think what's interesting is like as an artist, when you have a new medium you have to take advantage of every aspect of that medium, you know, and, and I think properties is, is a big part of it. So that, that's one of the things I, I mean, I get so excited talking about this Colbert and I forgot what I was even answering. I, I but, also uh, did too, but it, it raises, <laughs> yeah. it raises a wonderful question. Um, that is interesting to me and something I've been studying lately. And I feel myself beholden to is the idea of, uh, you know, a bit of like this addiction economy and like one more pull and, you know, perhaps, yeah. how, how do you feel? I mean, for me, this, there's been such a series of innovations and this is very much a new one for me. Um, you know, how do you feel that there are people out there kind of looking for that golden ticket? And that's a tough one. Oh, you're going right to the controversial questions. Um, it's I'll go something... on the record with this one, but it's tough. This is a tough thing to talk about. Yeah, definitely. We, we, because we can I... skip it, and I can just say, like, duly noted, right? No, let's dive into it, because yeah. I don't mind going on to the record of this, because this is interesting, and something I was actually talking to my wife about last night. Uh, I was invited to do, I'm not going to, I don't like to implicate, I was invited to do this chance-based um, drop. Where you can, and I don't want to mention anyone because it's a great organization and, and what they're doing is totally legit in my mind, but I'm not sure I can do it after talking to my wife. But the chance based drop, and all, all drops are chance based, right? Yep. But this chance based drop, you know, you would put 32 out and they would be additions. And then, and then at the end, one of the 32 additions would get a one of one. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and my wife brought up to the point that is like, you know, that sounds a little bit like a lottery. And so I asked more and more, and technically it might be a lottery where it's like, you know, I'm offering additions, which are worth way less than a one of one, but the only way to get a chance of that one of one is through an addition. And ultimately I've decided not to do it. Um, I don't have anything against other people that do it, but it was a little too close to a lottery for me, if that makes sense. Totally. But then if, but if you, if you ask me about like, Hey, there's a thousand addition drop on brain drops, and you're pulling it like you pull baseball cards, yeah. that doesn't feel like a lottery to me because you are getting a valuable thing no matter what. You know exactly what you're paying for it, but then once in a while you're going to be like, holy cow, I just got like the rarest of the rare, which is worth a lot of money to someone. Um, but if you're a holder like me, it's worth nothing because you're just going to hold it. So so there's the fun in that. And I'm, so I don't know. It's right on the edge. What do you think now that I've gone on the record of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think what you said in the beginning is incredibly important is that it does give people an access point to your art, right? And it kind of like mm. in, in when there's such a competition for attention, right? I'm seeing that the artists that obviously put themselves out there in that way 
that is true to them in perhaps creating some sort of series that speaks to the accessibility of their art that isn't an open edition um, mm -hmm. is, is powerful uh, because it, it develops a life of its own. And it's not mm. like the one of one straight hands all the time. But your, you know, your bit gans are moving and the pod gans are moving. And, you yeah. know, I get those emails from OpenSea every day saying, you know, this low ball offer is in on the pod gans. And I'm like, you know, it, it, it's interesting. It's interesting how, you know, you, you kind of maintain relevance in the secondary market. Um, uh, let's let's go into that. I mean, how do you feel about perhaps like this in increasing divide of, of misunderstanding or hate or uh, I'm sure you get a, a bit of that as well. I will just say that I think, you know, the media has portrayed it as a gold rush for artists. Um, and I think everybody is trying to translate their practice into, you know, an, a form of NFTs. Uh, but maybe we can talk more about, like, to you, what does it mean to be a crypto artist? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. And I'm curious about you. I'll, I'll answer this. I'm curious about you with uh, being a crypto artist yourself, because uh, I have some of your art and also a collector. But it is so interesting. And I have one friend that's getting into crypto art and, you know, and it's like the complaints are that we're making money and that there's like, you know, there, there might be speculation. There might be people coming in that are, are, are in it for the wrong reasons to flip. And, and his answer is, I was like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong that artists are finally able to make money. Yeah. And, and we're not the people telling uh, people to come in and flip, you know, like I, I'm pretty honest with my, you know, my stuff, I, I always tell people, it's like, only buy it if you want it 10 years from now. You know, it's like, uh, um, I am not a dead artist, and none of this, and I'm very honest, and I'll tell this to a lot of people, until an artist is dead, the supply is infinite. And, and like, even more dangerous with anonymous artists, because even with anonymous artists, it's like, you know, the Dread the Pirate Roberts, or whatever that is, from Princess Bride, uh, can just pass it on to another person in the studio, and a non-artist can go on for 100 mm -hmm. years. So... This is always like um, if you're speculating on art, it's a, I think it's only a good idea if you are happy holding that art forever. Yeah. Uh, and that's my advice to everyone. And I say that over and over again. And, and, and uh, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. So but why is that a bad thing that all of a sudden artists are making money and have that much more control over? Uh, their destinies. I, I don't know. There's worse things. I can imagine a lot of worse things. Uh, I'm curious, as a collector, what do you think about this? And also as as an artist, because like where you stand on that? Uh, I mean, look, my my art is really like one dimensional, and I give it away, you know. And it was something that I was doing since 2015 uh, to mm -hmm. like people I met and, and crypto conferences, and it wasn't particularly born of the space. Um, but the, the message is of the space, right? Um, yeah. And I think obviously like why I'm, I'm in this church is I love the idea of the reappropriation of sacred symbols and I love mm. putting the, the question marks in the, the old institutions. 
right? So what does it mean to uh, transform a dollar bill into something that is perhaps, you know, more valuable? And, and we see it again and again. Um, why, you know, why would we say that a JPEG doesn't have value? Uh, you know, why could it not be a store of value? I, I increasingly believe, of course, you know, in a, in a post-capitalism world in which we begin to kind of automate everything and abundance is secured through technology, that the way humans begin to interact with the machines and the creativity that they imbue into these technologies will be our saving grace. And I, I think that's why your practice has, has always interested me. And if we go to like the root of that, I, I think your work looks at what is, what is the humanity of, of the machine. Um, and, you know, there's symbology to that, that can continue to be drawn uh, but, but how do we teach machines to be creative and uh, you know how do we create artwork that responds of the times right mm -hmm. you, I, I just love where we are and the location that you're in and the history that all of those portraits tell uh, because you're, you're so of the moment it's so of the time um, and then well that was yeah, no. Yeah, you always remind me of the things that are important. And, and, and you sort of nailed it with the robot is, you know, I, I continue to get hate mail. Uh, but like, why are you trying to make a painting artist because artists have a hard enough time getting a job? Um, but you know, of course, this robot's not stealing a single sale from any artist on this planet. You know, it's, it's its own thing. And also, I'm the artist behind it. So uh, and, and if you ask, is this you know, anywhere near art. No, the robot's not anywhere near art, but is it creative? And that's the weird thing is it is, it is creative and it's as creative as many artists already know the, the whole system. You know, like if you think, for example, the example I always use is Jackson Pollock, you know, he had an algorithm to lay down his uh, drip painting and he would repeat that algorithm over and over and over again. And there was actually about 10 years ago, I think University of Wisconsin, there was a Pollock bot, which did the same thing. You know, and it was just like, and then you, when you break it down, you realize the successful artist, me, uh, any successful artist develops this algorithm. Uh, Hakatao comes to mind. You know, Hakatao likes to mix the hand drawings with, with the pop culture, like, you know, uh, references. Right. We all have algorithms, and, and the successful artists become known for their algorithms because their algorithms repeat things. And then you see a new piece by that artist. And as an observer, you immediately observe the algorithm, and you're like, oh, that's a Hakatao. The ha mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to see new Hakata you've never seen before. You, you know, it's it, it's them, it's him and her. So, um, I think that's what's interesting that breaking down the artistic and creative process through this robot just made me understand it on a level I never understood before, and it's chasing what it is to be an artist, what it is to have a look, uh, to have, you know, all those things are being explored in this right under the level, and then. In a higher level, it's asking, what is it to be human, of course, because, you know, how close this robot can get to what a, an artist, a human artist can do is like, you know, it's almost like what it can't do is what is art. So, you know, you're asking mm. what is art and what this robot can't do is art because it can be really creative. It can do 100% of original compositions, exploring any subject matter, but 
then something it stops and where it stops is where the art begins and that i find that is fascinating yeah i, lo I love that i mean uh you know I, I and it's kind of what attracted me almost to to trash arts in the beginning is that the world feels like post form and it feels post aesthetic right and it's not like mm. the pers the perfection of the form because like somebody perfected how to like make stained glass and somebody perfected how to paint. And I don't think there's ever going to be perhaps like an evolution in perfection of that. So it returns yes. to, it returns to, to the imperfection and the imperfection is the humanity, um, which is, hmm. well, religion. Yeah, that might be the biggest moment that came out of this. I'm sorry. You're going to, Oh, I was going to say just like religious iconography aside <laughs> in, in, in the church. Um, but but uh, it's, it's just wonderful to think about how we teach machines to be imperfect, right? And how we kind of convey that in a blockchain system, which is inherently perfect and rule-based. Um, ah, yeah. So, you know, there was almost like a, a perfection of the system of money that was created and we're dabbling into governance and we're also dabbling into culture. And, you know, the, these three spheres together are, are forming the groundwork for digital worlds, for, for this idea of the, the metaverse. And yeah, so that's the beautiful part of it. You know, the beautiful part, uh, let's talk, this is interesting. We can talk the beautiful part and then the dark side. And the beautiful part of that is that it is, you know, it is um, free of manipulation uh, from governments and it's really power to the people. But, you know, let's, the dark side is also, and this is where I always get worried. The dark side is there is no recourse when there's when there's a, a scam or a con, I get I yeah. take my time with every crypto transaction because I know if I do it wrong, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, and so that's you know that's the the so it's the freedom of the wild west, but also the dangers of the wild west. Yeah. Um, so. Well, you know, I I what crypto taught me, of course, was was radical self reliance. Right. Hmm. How do you begin to entrust yourself more and more fully to care for, you know, what your needs are? Um, and this is why I get so up in arms about, you know, influencers driving the direction of masses to certain projects. Um, you know, for me, it wasn't crypto skulls that was important. You know, it might have existed but it's it's your work that is more foundational to the spirit and message of of what this movement means i mean here is a thing you know a collectible object that was created and released and and nobody cared and it made no impact but just because it existed does that make it valuable or here is a person that continues to create that like has the philosophy behind it and I, I guess in all things, you know, I look for more depth and I look for nuance. And I also worry that we're entering a society that is so speed-based and oriented that we lose a lot of that depth and nuance um, when people begin to kind of participate in, in these markets. And that's probably one of my favorite subtexts of this whole movement is, you know, take me, an artist, and I've always, you know, all artists think this, so I don't think it's pompous. Or, or, or consider me to say, but all artists make art because they think they have something to say. Yeah. I've been making art for 20 years. 
uh, I started getting awards for my art, international awards for my art five years ago. I, I won a first place in a contest for uh, AI art uh, in 2017 or 18, uh, international contest, $100,000 purse. Um, but despite this massive success, I've been on television shows, documentaries, despite this massive success in my mind of like getting out in public and getting recognized, I have never had a gallery offer to represent me. Yeah. Just the opposite. Galleries, they sort of thumb their nose at me. They're like, eh, we're not sure that's art. And I was like, yeah, but I want awards. I've been shortlisted at the Barbican. I've been, you know, I've had Ted, the TEDx talk. I've, I've been, I won Robot Art 2018. Uh, and they just wouldn't let me in. And, and it just always was crushing because it's like, what do you got to do to get recognized by a New York gallery? And then comes crypto art. And then it comes this different uh, way of valuating art that isn't only, there's definitely curators and the curators are needed, but it isn't only the curators. It's also people can speak with their conviction in their hearts and you can trade art. And then the more, the better your art is, the more it trades for. It's just this natural cream rises to the top. And I see it with artists after artists after artists that hasn't been able to get recognized in the traditional art world rising to the top of crypto art. Yeah. Uh, and that's a big change. And it's an interesting change because I see galleries trying to get in on it now. Now galleries are coming to me, um, but they're coming to me with this 50% deal. And I'm always going back to them and like, why? Yeah. How can you, <laughs> how would I give you 50%? I'm sold out for months. You know, I, I don't, more, I have a year of work ahead of me. Why would I? And uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's strange, and it's it's amazing, um, and and so that's why I was telling my wife, I can't separate myself from this because I just believe in the movement too much. I believe in all the other artists that are doing the exact same thing, and all the other artists that are striving to do the same thing, and organizations like Mocha. I mean, like you know, I tell you this all the time. I think Mocha is the next great cultural institution. I am Thank just you. following it constantly. I mean, Thank look you. at this building he's sitting in. Uh, as soon as COVID, <laughs> and well, so thanks, uh, thanks to X Copy as well, you know. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The um, same here. Yeah. Look, I think it's a it's a wonderful place to to wrap, um, and I yeah. really really appreciate the the time, the energy, your philosophy, the artwork that you're putting forward. Uh, and, and the conviction that, that we share and we share it openly um, because I could never give it up either, you know? I tell myself I have to stop. I can't stop. And then I tell myself I have to sell something. I can't sell anything because I love it and I believe <laughs> in it, you know? So, um, again, everybody watching, uh, wonderful artist and friend Pindar Van Armen, um, thank you for being the yeah, first thanks, artist. Robert. On thanks, everyone, for listening to us. NFT Sunday. Oh, it's an honor. Oh, that's amazing. Thanks a lot. Breaking news.